Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. All right, everyone. Welcome to today. We have the honor of speaking with Divine Nicholas, a doula, CLC speaker, teacher, herbalist rooted in Southern tradition, but most importantly, devoted to bringing healthy, natural birth back to the basics. So all women have the opportunity to birth the way they desire. Um, Some of you might know her from um, Divine Birth Wisdom or Grandma's Hands, which we will be talking about. Um, But before we get into all the goodness, welcome, Divine. We're so excited to have you. Thank (laughs) you so much. And I'm so happy and humbled that you asked me to be on your show. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Can you first start off by telling a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. So um, I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, born and raised off um, Armitage and Kedzie. Um, My family roots, my mom and dad were both born up north. My father was born in Chicago. My dad was, my, my mom was born in South Bend, Indiana, and my daddy was born in Chicago. But my mama's side of the family were latecomers up north. So my mama remembers as a child, knowing that Martin Luther King had been assassinated but all like my her mother and all them they had just came up from mississippi when that stuff happened so um leland clarksdale mississippi jackson uh mississippi riverdale alabama butler georgia those are my roots and i kind of can go through that route because i'm also my family's genealogist but um, (laughs) i'm into all things black history and specifically my family but yeah and then um so live there, and I'm here in Opelousas, Louisiana, which is in St. Landry Parish, which is southwest Louisiana, and we're about three hours west okay. of New Orleans, and so um, we're kind of not too far from Houston, but we're closer to, you know, um, we're not east of the boot, like I say, <laughs> as far <laughs> as um, the New Orleans is, so um yeah, I've been here in Louisiana for about 13 years. Okay. And I'm so happy. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I love that you said you're your family's genealogist. My mom has kind of taken on that role. And it's yes. it's been wonderful to be able to get all of that history. And mm-hmm. I mean, she talks about how hard it is. Yeah. Um, but it's when she's able to get some good stuff. It's so rewarding. Of, yes. So rewarding. Yes. So I applaud you for for being the set person do that because we do need to do that more we do need to be investing in our history a bit more yes um but when did you begin your work as a doula clc how did that start for you so i was trained under ictc the international center of traditional childbearing and i got my doula training full circle doula training under mama shafia Monroe. so when ictc was still up and running on one of her trainings. She had a training in New Orleans and I think it might have been like five or six of us um, that trained and that was 2012. So that was after me having two of my children. So I had my first child in 2007, which was a a birth center transfer to a hospital because my baby came like at 36 weeks and some change and I couldn't have her at the birth center. So we had to do hospital transfer. And then, um, and then I had an unassisted birth in 2010. And so after that, so my baby was kind of around 
two years old when I got trained as a doula. Okay. And I had been on the internet looking up stuff and like had been basically stalking ICTC for years. And when it came, when I was able to get a chance to be trained, I did. And I remember at the end of the class, I was like, so I have two young children. How am I going to do this doula thing? Mm-hmm. And Mama Shafia was like, it may be kind of difficult for you, but what you might want to do is try, strive to be a resource for other mothers, you know, like plan events where mm-hmm. people can come to you or you can bring your baby until you can get up and moving, you know, and do a lot of actual doula work. Yeah. So one of the first things I did was I organized the um, my nonprofit, which is Community Birth Companion. Okay. And from there on, what I did was now they're doing it all the time. But at the time, I got the Louisiana Department of Health, our local hospital, um, Healthy Start. It was a woman's shelter that was in the area. We got together for a Save the Babies Lunch and Learn, talking about infant and maternal health and what was going on amongst black folk dying. Mm-hmm. Because in our training, the ICTC, we was talking about that then. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like, yo, yep. mamas and babies are dying. What are we doing to affect change in that area? And so that was my push into outside birth work other than my own, mm-hmm. you know? And um, yeah. Got it. That's amazing, Mama Shafia, that you got to be a part of uh, that training. I have, yeah. I have two questions for you. Um, and you don't have to go into the full detail because I know today is not about that. And maybe we can have you on again to discuss that. But for your unassisted birth, was that something yeah. that you were planning to do? Oh, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we, we planned to do that. And for, for the simple fact, at that time, we didn't have any black home birth midwives mm-hmm. at the time in Louisiana. Now we have three and actually four but one doesn't do home births right now she's working at a um community health clinic um she but um at the time none of our cpms were doing home births there was one black uh, midwife home birth midwife cpm and so I knew that I didn't want the hospital experience. I never wanted it in the first place. That's why I was having a birth center. Right. But I did have a white midwife who my care was fine. I didn't have no problems. But because my water broke early and I was going into labor versus my water broke, but my cervix is still chilling. You know what right. I'm saying? I right. was going into labor. She was like, man, we got to transfer you because yeah. of the insurance law, you know, right. around right. the birth center. They couldn't do anybody above 37 weeks and I just did not like that little bit of hospital mm. I ain't careful you know what I'm saying <laughs> yep. Nah. yep so in the case that I would have had a late preterm birth again I was like let's do a home birth and my right. husband's an herbalist too and so we really were like yeah let's do it do the whole thing so we did our unassisted prenatal care and, and all that other stuff all all I did was um I went to the doctor to initially have that first workup, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A yep. pregnancy and all that good stuff. Just in case something go wrong and I right. got to go to the hospital, it don't look like I ain't had no care. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So right. I had that done and um, yeah, we had a beautiful baby girl. She came feet first wow. <laughs> and she been on the floor running ever since. So that's my, <laughs> that's my nine year old. Okay. She turned nine in October. Got it. And so then you're, I know you said you have four kids, the two after, yeah. did, were they also So then unassisted? I had, uh, I had black midwives for my okay. third labor and actually those included two of the, two of the CPN, 
two of the three CPMs at the time they were students. Okay. So I had all three of them of the, in the whole state <laughs> at my birth for my first son. Okay. So that, um, matter of fact, it was December 24th. So um, we had him with the three mid, with my midwife team, mm-hmm. and then our last baby was unassisted. Wow! So I went, wow. you know, yeah, the yeah. Other ones. yeah. No, we will definitely need to get you back on here to dabble into all of that because, um, but yeah. I feel like a lot of that is is rooted, rooted in the work that you're doing and rooted yeah. in the traditions yeah. that you're trying to bring back. So um, I love that. I love that. But my other thing I was going to say was something that I really liked that Mama Shafia said to you was doing the work and incorporating your children till you were at a point where they, they, um, they didn't necessarily need to be with you as much. And I think right. a lot of us get into this work and we want to do it and we're like, we can't yeah. do it because of our kids. And then we just... Some right. of but it's awesome. other ways to be into birth right. work and right. I tell sisters this all the time I said at the end of the day your children only gonna be that age once right okay women go keep having babies right so you rushing trying to make oh I can't do this I don't have the right. money for this training this that. when it's your season it's gonna be your season right now you might can start breastfeeding support groups yeah. because you're a breastfeeding mother that's how I got into doing the CLC Somebody's seen that I was in a community. There was a scholarship coming up to um, train CLCs in mm-hmm. zip codes where people needed more, you know, breastfeeding yeah. rates. And my name was thrown in. I got a scholarship and I went to that. What was I think it was a healthy children that does the CLC yes. training that was in Lafayette, Louisiana. And I was pregnant with my third child. And so through that pregnancy, I was training after I had my baby. I attended circles. I attended the breastfeeding support group circles with the breastfeed baby. Right. And so I was still right. able to support and then, and I was nursing, you know, as well. So it's right. all different ways to be part of the birth community without you actually being there rubbing a mama's back and things right. like that. Right. Because, and, I, and that goes to another point that we, we try to talk to a lot about is like being a birth worker isn't necessarily always just being at the birth. Like you just said, yes. there's so many yes. facets of a person's birthing journey that needs tending to, whether that's prenatal stuff, nursing, transition to postpartum, transition from different milestones that baby might be having. Yes, there's yes, just, yes, there's yes. so many ways to support. Um, and we always say postpartum is forever. So there's right, always right. <laughs> there's always an aspect. Postpartum is parenthood. That, parenthood is thank postpartum. You. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you always need support. So there's so yes. many ways, and I think we just get stuck on that one piece of like the birth. Mm-hmm. And there's there's so many ways that we need to be supporting families. Um, yes. But thinking about that, how has birth work shifted for you over time, or have you seen a shift or? So like. I'm looking at, if I was to look at my calendar for 2020 already, I already have like three to four months, January, March, April, May, that I got births coming up. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. Where last year, my calendar was pretty much set up with dates where I was doing my grandma's hands workshop. Mm -hmm. So I have to balance that work of teaching the herbs to support women with also attending more births because now my youngest children 
are like bad mom, you know what I'm <laughs> right, saying? Right. So I can hit the road a bit more. Right. more. You know, yeah. now I've attended births pregnant and what have you, but I took a break of and did a lot of focus on my lactation counselor um, role and also my role as community organizing locally mm-hmm. to make sure we had a breastfeeding circle here to make sure that the information was getting out of what's going on in St. Landry Parish concerning infant and maternal mortality rates and things like that. And so when I wasn't doing like my full on birth work, being in a birthing room, I was working on my nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that work that we do there with supporting and, and um, organizing community baby showers and yeah. the, um, black breastfeeding week and things like that. So it shifts where now I'm including more birth work, you know, that's already on my calendar that I have to be at. And then this is also getting to my stage. Um, I'm a trained mid midwife assistant. And so the goal is CPM. The goal is to become a professional midwife. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I was shifting. It's kind of moving, you know, as my children move and as different opportunities come my way. Right. Right. And you talked a little bit about this, but, um, you were saying that within your, your doula training, and we've always been talking about this within our community, the deaths that are happening, the maternal and infant mortality. Um, can you speak a little bit about what it is like in your area? So we're in Louisiana mm-hmm. and November right now is prematurity awareness month. Mm-hmm. March of Dimes doesn't have for the, what, the last two years, Louisiana has had an F. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're 50th in the 50 states of um, infant and maternal death. Mm-hmm. Our Louisiana Secretary of Health said at our August, they organized an August um, maternity health summit in New Orleans with a lot of stakeholders, um, health insurance companies, you know, providers and everything, yeah. those of us in the nonprofit sector. Basically, they let us know that 80% of those deaths that mothers are having in Louisiana are preventable. So there's something that's not being done mm-hmm. and there's something that needs to be done. Now, those of us that have been doing this work for a while, we know this, <laughs> right? We already right. know this, right. but now the fire on their ass, you know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I tell people often, I can't, you know, I don't know what dwells in the hearts of the men. I can't tell you for sure if they really are concerned about our community as mm-hmm. a whole, but I know just as a business and when they have to have meetings with other secretaries of health across the nation and they tired of being the last, they right. tired of saying, dang, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if we could get some support to actually make change right while they like man i got to fix these numbers let's see what they talking about you know what i'm saying but um we're in a dire situation Mm -hmm. you know um my good sister friend nicole deggins always says her tagline is birth is the revolution Mm -hmm. and if you understand that birth is a revolution then you know we at war right you know what i'm saying our our babies are dying our mamas are dying we got brothers who feel like if they're assertive in the um, birthing room that they can that police can be called upon right. on them and all types of stuff. So right. 
and we're in a situation where people have to be serious about getting this information out. Right. And uh, we have the tools. I always say we have the tools to dismantle mm -hmm. the master's house. You know, we right. have our own tools to do that. And we just got to remind our community. I always say, I'm not here to teach you. I'm here to remind you. Oh, yes. We already, have, we, we already know what we're supposed to do. Right. We just have forgotten. We, somebody then told us what we think is backwards. And I'm just reminding you on what we know to be true that can help and support our mothers and babies. Right. Exactly. Um, both Danielle and I work with the dual organization here in Columbus called ROOT with uh, Jessica Roach is our um, mm -hmm. founder and she's always expressing like we are enough and it goes to yes. the, the reminding that like we have all the innate tools we have everything we need inside of ourselves we just we have forgotten or someone told us something and we pushed it back yes. um, so really coming back to what our and this speaks a lot to your work our traditions what what exactly. has been in, in our families and our our, our history forever. Um, so in saying that, you know, you describe yourself as herbalist in the Southern tradition. Um, mm -hmm. Is this a facet of your life before birth work? And is it something that you would say is rooted in your family? Yes. So first, when I was growing up, we had, my mother did over-the-counter medicine, but we always had chamomile in the house. Mm -hmm. And then we also, the way she would give over-the-counter medicine wasn't always on script. You know, mm -hmm. I remember my mama taking Vicks and putting sugar on it and then putting it in the chamomile tea and making us drink it or putting sugar on the, um, uh, on the Vicks and making us take it. Mm -hmm. Then giving us the tea, you know, giving us warm baths and, and things like that. And that's rooted in the Southern tradition. Is Southern traditional healing isn't just about this herb used for this and this herb used for that. It's about the whole healing modality. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about sickness? Where do we think that that sickness comes from? And healing the whole person in the way that's significant to us. So the class that I teach, Grandma's Hands, Pregnancy and Postpartum Herbs and Nutrition in the Southern Tradition is really rooted and steeped in the healing traditions of Southern Black midwives and the community they served because the community that they served expected that that midwife used herbs and certain healing with what they did because that's what they knew. And right. we knew this and we did this not because we were not allowed in the hospital, but because this was an ongoing tradition and science that we brought with us during the transatlantic slave trade. Right. So it's also rooted in the healing traditions of West African traditional healing. Got it. Got it. Oh, yes. Um, I'm just putting this, we're again going to talk about it more, but I am signing up for the course. I've heard hey. enough about it from people who oh, have taken it. But I think the part that really resonated with me that you just said is not only was it what our midwives and caretakers were doing, the community expected it. Yes. And yes. I think that's a piece of something that we've really lost is what we expect out of our care. Yes. Is that yes. we have yes. now been, um, coerced into thinking that it needs to it's, it's going to look the way that the system wants it to look but not understanding that we are the dictators of what our care should look like and what we oh, want yeah. out of our care 
and expecting that somebody has to have a white jacket on, you know, to do those mm-hmm. things. So, mm-hmm. for instance, um, people have asked me about, you know, I've always wanted to become a midwife. My maternal lineage, my great great grandmother um, was a midwife in Washington County, Mississippi. She actually caught my uncles, my mother's older um, brothers. And the only reason she didn't catch my mama was that my grandmother's first child she had up north was my mama and she had her in the hospital. That was the first time my grandmother had a child in the hospital. Um, if I, if people wasn't so much on having letters behind they name, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be trying to put myself through all these dang examinations and all this money and everything. I don't mind the apprenticeship. I right. can apprentice forever. I'm humble like that. I'd rather work with somebody. I want to learn um, how to do my craft and, um, and, and work with people. Right. But because we've been so um, westernized tells a person that unless I present to you this piece of paper, right. I'm not X, Y, Z. Right. So because of that, you don't never, you'll sit in a hospital room or hospital office and never ask no questions to this person sitting across from you because he done said he doctor such and such, but doctor such and such had to use the bathroom just like you. Doctor such and such got to put their pants on just like you might be having marital problems, might be on drugs, might have all types of stuff going to Walmart, got to wait in line just like you. Right. (laughs) And you feel once you step in there that all of a sudden all your power is gone. You can't ask no questions, no nothing, because we presented this type of person is like an all knower. Right. And in doing that, we've dismissed and belittled the wisdom that came from the community and the culture in the village as something that is backwards is behind the times. And I often say in my class, they told you that and you let it go. And then you start looking at Stanford papers and all type of theses. And they've been researching what your people did. Why you think a, bio- oh. a, a biology student is making a master's thesis on the herbals, herbs used by Southern black grannies? Right. Why would a white biology student at Stanford do a thesis on that? If it's right. not no jewels in there to be used. But we done threw it away and then they pick it up. Right. Right. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so you, you started talking a little bit about it, but can you tell us more about um, grandma's hands? And, and also, when did that start for you um, within your, your work? Like, how did that then go off on its own? Right. So I want to say it was either, I want to say it was 2014, 2015 that, so I had been working with herbs, with my family, with my husband. My husband had a teacher. Um, my husband is an iridologist, a traditional um, and healer, but he was also trained in Ghana. So he okay. learned under Dr. Uh, Paul Goss with iridology and herbs wow. and Dr. Kofi Asari, who was coming from Tema, uh, Ghana, and he came and taught a class in um, Houston, Texas. And then from then on, like, my husband was the only one signed up for the class, and they didn't cancel it. So he okay. had he was able to get that one-on-one training. Wow. And then he went to Ghana and got trained. And then when Dr. Sarr would come back and forth for, um, to America, he would come and stay with us. So we was having that ongoing training yeah. with this elder, you know, just as a way of life, you yeah. know, and I tell people often, I say, we don't have no talent all in the house. 
We don't have no, um, you know, uh, no medicine that you get from the Walgreens, or whatever in the house. We have herbs, we have alcohol, you know, we have peroxide, yeah. things like that. But so it's so ingrained in us that it's always practice going on. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's always yeah. a mastery going on because that's all we got. And you got four children. So somebody always getting sick, somebody right. catching a cold, something stuck in somebody's eye. No. Right. <laughs> you know, it's always that going on. Right. So I was really at a certain point working with my husband, getting flyers out, helping him put, you know, capsulized herbs and all that other stuff. And then his family is an agricultural family because his dad is a um, 30 year retired, um, what we call down here, county agent. So he worked okay. with the LSU Ag Center and uh, Southern University Ag Center working with the farmers. Okay. And so um, he was helping them get seeds and all type of stuff with the USDA and what have you. So my father-in-law picks herbs my brother-in-law he did his thesis on hibiscus sorrel and so our family has been growing hibiscus for years so it's just this consistent right herbal healing type of thing so about 2015 and i was just doing my thing locally okay and then when facebook groups were still small you would yeah. share and you know with your little sister mother groups and things like that like girl try this and blah 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 yeah. so around i want to say it was 2014 2015 squat fast and squat used to be this like uh, radical uh, magazine about birthing and for birthing peoples and all of that and they came to new orleans to do a festival and somebody threw my name in a hat to be a speaker and so I spoke, I uh, did like an hour and a half workshop on making a salve and an infusion and just talking about where a lot of this stuff come from and how you can use it in birth. Yeah. And then from then on, folks was like, um, since you need to do this class. So then I did an online class because I really couldn't, still couldn't go nowhere. My youngest boy was like going on two or whatever. And I still wasn't trying to be out like that. So I did an online class. And then from the online class sparked me doing, you know, traveling to do in-person workshops. But that's how it really popped off. Folks was like, okay, I couldn't make the squat fast. Are you going to make this into a class or something like that? Right. <laughs> so um, it became a six-week class. And then from that six-week class, I do in-person workshops. So I kind of squeezed that six weeks into an eight-hour intensive workshop. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. And I mean, we know that it's, we know the impact of these traditions um, within our community, but can you talk a little bit firsthand about how you're seeing how grandma's hands has shifted what's happening in the community and even with some of your own clients or people that you know, who've taken the class and then used it within their birth work. So I have to say for a lot of black folk, we have a lot of self-hate and a lot of horizontal violence that ends up happening because mm -hmm. we feel we can't really attack those that have been keeping their foot on our neck. And then it happens in the health world. Well, then anything that's other than black, we want to attach on to and lust after. Mm -hmm. So I tell people often another reason why I just felt like I had to do this class was I would be sitting in groups. And sisters would be seeing flyers for um, rebozo or different type of um, healing traditions of other yeah. sisters of color. And they'd be like, you know, just really 
calm and regular like mm-hmm. i wish we had some postpartum traditions or i wish we had some birth traditions but you know slavery killed all our traditions and this that, and the other this lie mm-hmm. that has been kept going on forever and ever and i'm like no they didn't kill everything because even when my mother's passed on now but she was alive through my first pregnancy and i remember her telling me stuff like make sure um i had a girdle right after i gave birth yeah that's just an extension a modern day extension of wrapping your stomach same that you know same ideology um make sure in her phrase she said make sure you don't touch a broom that was i wasn't supposed to get up and walk around it's another thing when you actually be around black folk and elder black folk we don't say things the way you want it to be said. Mm. A lot of things are said in stories and riddles and, and things you have to, if, if you're part of the culture, you get it when you hear it. Okay. Yeah. But it's a lot of jewels in there. So no, no one is saying, oh, there's a 40 day special name here postpartum tradition no you just were supposed to stay your tail in the house you know what I'm saying for at least six weeks oh because yes. the phrase was that you was wide open mm-hmm. if you outside the house and with that baby in two three days the phrase was you wide open so mm-hmm. stay to the house so when i would post things like that then you'd have like 20 something sisters type like yeah my grandmama used to say and this that my auntie used to say this that well look sis all this is culture yeah all of this is traditions yes. okay and then it ends up being when people take either the eight hour workshop and then the end the six week course is that it ends up being transformational for them and yep. for them to see like whoa it's a lot of stuff that i did do have in my family that was traditions but i really didn't pay attention to it or i never asked my family to tell me more right and so now i'm gonna talk to this auntie i'm gonna talk to my grandfather too and that's all at the end of the day that's what i want for us to do talk to each other and pass it on and make sure we keep these traditions alive because within those traditions now everything is not applicable for today Mm -hmm. because certain things are and those things that we can bring forward if we do them and continue to do them, we're going to have better outcomes. It feels good to know somebody is bringing food for you if you just had a baby. Right. Why? Now you ain't got to worry about the food. You know what right. I'm saying? It feels good to know that somebody can come over and give you a rub down or give you some cinnamon tea and things like that after birth. That's just being human with each other. And right. Not, and not letting the care of our mothers just be dependent upon the doctor. You right, know, and that's what I'm, I'm sharing, and that's what people are saying. Like, yo, I can, and I can help out, and I can do it, and I can help out without any letters behind my name. Yes, and it'd be yes. really substantial, you know. Yes, and Danielle and I talk about that a lot. How a big part of creating this platform was to get us talking to our families, to our elders, um, and to each other about our experiences, our traditions, our family, so that we do know, like, again, like we've been saying, we hold a lot of the things that we can do for ourselves. Like we hold a lot of power within ourselves. Um, but that, that involves talking to each other. Yes. <laughs> and we can't get none of it if we don't speak to each other or if we think, if we think we're inherently, that our traditions are inherently beneath others. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a problem. 
And that type of thinking also leads into when we're getting health care from our providers, feeling like we're beneath them. Right. You know, we can't share or advocate for ourselves because we feel like, well, maybe this person is going to judge me or maybe I just can't ask these questions. And then what ends up happening? We don't get the care that we deserve and that we need. Right. Exactly. I'm sorry. I have. No, it's okay. Sweet thing. It's all right. (laughs) We used to this. uh, I mean, you see ours are with us for most of our recordings. So it's totally fine. Um, So how can listeners connect with you or the workshop? And do you have any upcoming sessions? Yes. So we have our winter session of our online class starting January 9th, 2020. Right now, the early bird is 125 and it's still on until December 8th. After December 8th, the um, price is 175. So right now, we have um, the early bird is 125. But what we also have going on for those who may just want to support others in taking the class, because we have a lot of birth workers, a lot of black herbalists, who want to get taught by someone that looks like them, but at this time may not have the funds. So right now we've been running a fundraiser to help at least five people take the course. And um, right now we're able to provide one scholarship. The goal is to provide a total of five. So if you go on my website, divinebirthwisdom.com, you could also go to um, use the email address CBC. Opelousas, O-P-E-L-O-U-S-A-S at gmail.com if you want to send donations or if you just want to learn more about the course, you can definitely email me at divine is earth, D-I-V-I-N-E, I-Z is in Zeta, earth, E-A-R-T-H at gmail and um, divinebirthwisdom.com is my website and you can also um just if you have your name or what have you and want to put it in my contact list and i can email you about all that good stuff so we have that winter session started in january again it's a um it's a six-week course, and then I also see, I also teach an online herbal course uh, where I'll be talking about the herbs in the African diaspora, and that starts in January, and that's through a black um, African-centered black co-op. Wow! And so, um, yeah, I'm always having it, trying to just. It's a life skill. Learning how to heal yourself and knowing about plants is a life skill. So even if we're not talking about birth, I'm always like, learn how to do something. It don't have to be, you don't have to know 150 herbs to do some good work to to just be able to function. Okay. We all should know a little bit of something. And so um, I have that going on in January too. Awesome. And you saying that makes me think about like, and Danielle, we've talked about this a little bit, how we don't really know much about our bodies until we get pregnant. And then all of a sudden it's like, I need to know all of these things about what's happening to my body and this other human and being able to take care of ourselves way before that. It's so important. It's so important. It's so true. I have, like I said, my oldest daughter is 12. She made 12 in July. (laughs) And her body is going through all different Mm. type of changes. And so I have a little book for her. It's a couple of books I bought for her to read. And then we talk about, and then she also took an online class that was just talking about um, 
in, into womanhood? How do you mm-hmm. go into that stage? And so I, I was telling her about being clean with your body and and um, understanding that your the changes in your body and why that is happening mm-hmm. and why certain things that you do now with your health is going to help you as you move forward forward like what's one of the things we always tell moms they need folates right folates mm-hmm. a folic acid but the real good stuff is the folates right but the folates is needed really at the very beginning of pregnancy because that neural tube is one of the first things that start developing mm-hmm. but guess what if you haven't been eating foods that's high in folates or you know taking something that has folic acid so to speak right. um already then you could be lacking at something that uh, at something so important that happens right at the moment of conception or starts right. you know building right at the moment of conception so i say this when we talk about nutrition in my course these are things certain things we could be telling our young girls about right now even right. if they don't want to have children you know some people say oh i don't want to take this if it's going to make me fertile but guess what a lot of stuff that make you fertile just makes the womb healthy, period. Mm. Yep. Period. So regardless if you want to be pregnant or not, you want to be healthy. You want your right. hormones to be balanced. You don't want to be hot when it's cold. You know right. what I'm saying? You don't want to be, you know what I'm saying, cold when it's hot and sweating, right. growing hair when you ain't supposed to be growing hair. Or that's not, you know, normal in your family be growing hair for those right. places or what have you. And to do that, we got to talk about what body changes is happening to us. And um, just piggybacking on what black midwives did or what black women did, even the sisters that wasn't midwives, it was conversations like this happening. Yes. That wasn't just put upon the school to do or something. It was always an auntie or somebody, okay, she going through the changes. It's a, a book, a midwifery book, um, uh, this Alabama midwife called, um, the book is called Listen to Me Good. Mm-hmm. And she has a chapter there where she talk about getting your flowers. And that's what yep. she was called. She called getting your period. She said, getting your flowers, you know, and these type of conversations because the girl is blooming. Yep. Okay. And just getting back to that, getting back to black women seeing births, whether they're a midwife or not. So when they see women go through pregnancy, they could always be a support because guess what? They used to have to call the midwife. So who stayed with the mamas? Right. You know what I'm saying? That's why we say this doula thing, quote unquote doula thing, is not new. Right. Women used to understand what birth was and we supported them until the midwife came. Right. You know, sometimes the midwife, just like today, sometimes the midwife don't make it. Right. Things happen. And so, um, yeah, that, that, that knowledge is just needed and a lot of us don't know and then some of us go through pregnancy and it be till they second or third pregnancy till they know. Yep. And that's just <laughs> the real. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, is there anything else you want to share with listeners, resources, anything that you want to leave them with? Yes, yes. One, I want to um, encourage all of y'all mamas out there, you whether y'all want to be writers, y'all want to be midwives, you want to be doulas, you want to be lactation counselors, and you're like, man, I can't do it right now because I'm I'm tending to this baby. You know what I'm saying? Y'all looking at mothers right now doing a podcast. Okay, <laughs> you can do what you can. Don't yep. stress out about it. Do what you can, and even if you don't do nothing but support other birth 
activities that's local to you, at least you keep your face out there. At least you keep uh, an ear to what's going on in your community. Remember, your children are only going to be that size, that age right now. You ain't going to never get that chance again for them kids but it's always gonna be somebody else pregnant somebody else that needs some breastfeed support okay um it's gonna be another midwife that's gonna need an uh, an apprentice when your season come all you have to do is be prepared so that's why i want to encourage y'all you know what i'm saying when preparation meets that opportunity boom okay um also as far as traditions with our birth work with our midwifery with our healing work it is there, okay? The South, Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas, Virginia, Georgia, that's our Puerto Rico and Jamaica and St. Croix and everything else, okay? That's the stop, Sarah, the Carolinas and all of that. That's where they dropped us off at and where our people spread out. So when you're looking for your culture and you're looking for traditions, they are not dead, okay? Mm-hmm. You got to come back home. And that may be talking to your elders, even if they in New York or whatever, if they can remember, if they 70 at eight years old and up 80 90 years old they got some traditions even if you talk to the um our elder brothers they might remember something they auntie or mama or whoever did like yeah. having a plant the afterbirth or what they will call the placenta they usually say call it afterbirth and all of these tools you got and we're just not talking to our people our traditions are there and it's time to reclaim them it's time to revive them and we're on the move it's the season for you go gonna be left behind if you're not reclaiming your traditions and talking to your people i promise you so yes. <laughs> and thank y'all so much for having me today yes yes <laughs> thank you thank you thank you this is um this was important i we have been following i think right when i started birth work i saw your workshop and I was like, man, I need to get on that. But okay. it just wasn't the right time. I'm going to get on it now today, actually. Um, but it's just, it's you t- t- just talking about how important it is to just reconnect. It really is just really important. Yes. So thank yes. you so much Say for your fun. time. Yes. Um, and everybody out there, register. Or at least if you're not in this, the space to do that right now, be prepared to do that when it is your season. But thank you again so much. Yes. All right. Thank you. you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank y'all. Peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.